What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just stepped into my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, it was the week of PlayStation with so many announcements and amazing things to talk about. Let's get to it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, if you are a fan of the PlayStation brand, then like me, you have got to have found yourself on the floor with excitement over the amazing announcements that came this past week from PlayStation. There was an investor call on May 26th, and Sony President Jim Ryan was on this call and made a lot of really awesome, intriguing to me, announcements and just kind of some confirmations and Man, there was just a lot of cool stuff that was announced this past week, whether it was from that call or other things that happened throughout the news, all PlayStation related. So I could not wait to get to this week's episode and talk to you guys about it. I just, man, there's so much I want to talk about. So I'm going to touch base briefly on each topic and just kind of share my thoughts and what I'm excited about. And let's jump right into it. So first up this past week, PS1 games with new features on the all-new PS Plus. Now, I'm sure all of you probably already at this point know of the new PlayStation Plus tiered system. The subscription service will be coming out, and honestly, at this point, just a couple of weeks if you're in the States. And man, I cannot wait. And we're looking at potentially a max library of roughly 700 games if you're in the top tier of the service. Of course, out of those 700 games, there's a lot of PS1 games that are going to be emulated on this service. And there are a lot of features that were announced this past week that you can expect when booting up these classic PS1 games. And the first up are custom video filters. There's a few different options for you from the beginning. There's going to be the default option. And then you're also going to be able to choose between retro classic and modern visuals. And you can also change the aspect ratio. But the biggest one that kind of stood out and that was made a lot of noise about was the CRT TV option, which PS1 games were originally developed for that video format. So to have that option in there, if you're really wanting to take the time machine back to the 1990s, the, the mid to late 90s, and feel like you're playing on a TV from back in the day, you'll have that option. Now, a few of the other enhancements to the ps1 emulations up rendering was another one that was mentioned so obviously what that means is if you have those blocky beautiful character models from the ps1 and just some of the graphics the visuals of the environments or whatnot they will be up rendered as much as possible to try to meet and match the tvs of today now, another option is Rewind, which really surprised me because when I think of Rewind, I don't know the specifics of this Rewind for the PS1 games, but when I think of Rewind, I think of like, say, you know, a few months ago, I was playing the Lion King Aladdin game that had been released recently somewhat. And like those kinds of games, instead of having to play to a certain point and unlock a password to retain your progress, you could just rewind if you died. 
So my assumption here is that that's what this means in certain games where it's applicable. So I guess time will tell on that one. I didn't see any details about what that exactly means. But the next option is huge gamers. I mean, it's huge. And that is the quick save option. Now, good friend of the show, Graveyard Gamer from Graveyard Gamer Podcast, right here on Anchor and many other podcasting platforms. If you like this show, check his out. I promise you'll like it. He and I are really good friends. And, you know, he was recently playing through the medieval quote-unquote remake on PS4. But a big beef he had with that game was the fact that the save system was archaic. It was still as if it was a PS1 game. Now, decades later, after the PS1 generation, we gamers... We've kind of had a lot of quality of life improvements when it comes to gaming and, in a certain sense, been spoiled with a lot of these features. One of them being quick save or an auto save feature instead of having to progress a certain amount to get to the next save point. That can be frustrating, especially now after you've seen what's on the other side, so to speak. So to have that option is huge. But the one I'm most excited about, and it's not going to be in every game. Sony has come out and said that it's up to the individual developer whether or not they want to add these to their game. But trophies. Guys, I'm a huge fan of the trophy system. It's grown more and more an obsession for me in the last, I would say, two to three years. I absolutely love the trophy level scaling and just the whole system. And the fact that I can go back and play one of my favorite PS1 games of all time, Siphon Filter, which was the game this past week, confirmed 100% it will have trophies. The fact that I can go back to that game after almost 20-some years and play it with, as it was put in one news article, new objectives, that is actually really, really cool to me. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm going to sit there and commit to beating the whole game, but it'll definitely have me jumping in there, booting it up, playing through at least a couple missions and locking some trophies, having fun with it after all these years. Man, I love that game and that series. But the bottom line is the trophies. All these different new additions and upgrades to old classics give us reason to want to go back to them outside of just our love for the individual game and that experience. So I think this is massively smart on Sony's end and adding all of these features. So that was the first piece of information this past week I wanted to touch on with you. Next up, man, coming out of that investor call, there was a lot in the TV and movie medium realm that was kind of touched on. And I got to tell you, the biggest one for me is the announcement that there is a Horizon show coming to Netflix in the future. That is huge, gamers. I am absolutely in love with that franchise, with the world building that it has done between the two games that have released so far. Love the character of Aloy. I really, really hope they treat it with care and they do it right. And that could be an absolutely amazing show. There's so much story there to pull from. As well as the next game that is being turned into a show, it's confirmed finally that God of War is getting its own TV show. God of War is actually going to be coming and streaming on Amazon Prime Video. So if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can be looking forward to checking that out. Again, no specific release dates for any of this stuff yet, but just a confirmation and announcement that they're coming. And the fact that Sony is trying to expand their brand awareness is what Jim Ryan is saying all this is a part of and, and the reason why they're doing that. People who may watch movies and TV shows but don't play video games, they want to 
hey, do you know what God of War is? Who Kratos is? Do you know who Aloy is? Maybe they could fall in love with these characters, these brands as well, but just in a different medium. I'm all about it. Finally, the third major Sony franchise that was announced getting a TV show. No streaming service or channel specified for it yet, but it was the most question mark inducing of the three. And it was Gran Turismo. So I don't necessarily know what they're going to do with that TV show, but I'm very interested to see how they figure that out. So PlayStation brands coming to the small screen in the form of TV shows. In addition to, don't forget now, The Last of Us is already well underway in production for HBO, and the Twisted Metal live action series is going to be coming streaming on Peacock. So I can't even imagine where the next franchises uh, from Sony are going to go next. I mean, obviously, we've already gotten the amazing Uncharted movie, and we have a Ghost of Tsushima movie in in production. There's just so much to love right now if you also love movies and TV shows and you're a PlayStation fan of these franchises. Now, next up, there is another piece of information surrounding the PSVR 2. Now, guys, I did not get PlayStation VR. Unfortunately, I really wish that I had had a retrospect. But once I realized that, I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait for PSVR 2 and I'm going to be all in from day one. So most recently this past week, it was announced there are going to be more than 20 major games at launch, consisting of both first and third party titles. And it's very much rumored and looks like Horizon Call of the Mountain is going to be a launch title for PSVR 2, which I would be all about. Now, if you remember, I did do a episode of Captain's Quarters months ago on PSVR 2. And during that presentation is when they announced Horizon Call of the Mountain. And it looks really cool just based on what brief screenshots we saw and just the concept and the idea of playing Horizon in this context of VR sounds insane to me. What I would love to see is Uncharted VR announced. Oh man, that would be awesome. That would be really awesome. Now, PSVR 2 was supposed to release sometime later this year. Sony has stayed kind of consistent on that, but also quiet. So we will see how that shapes up. Next, real quick and brief tidbit. God of War has been raided in South Korea, which is huge because anytime a game is officially raided, typically it indicates that that game is ready for release. And in this case, hopefully that means that we get a release date announcement soon. Now, it was spotted by Reset Era user Modis, and Ragnarok was rated as an 18 and over game by South Korea's Game Rating and Administration Committee. And man, I cannot wait to see if this game is actually sticking to the game plan and releasing this year. I feel pretty confident that it will, because if you guys remember last September, almost a year ago now, is when Sony had their dedicated showcase event surrounding God of War Ragnarok and its gameplay. And it looked pretty far along in development at that point, so I'm pretty confident. I feel very confident we will still get Ragnarok this year. Honestly, for personal selfish reasons, as far as other releases around in and around that time, I'm really hoping for a September release, but we'll see what happens. Another big thing and a big success story for PlayStation announced this past week was the success of PlayStation exclusives on PC. Sony has made $80 million on PC last year, 
and just the few ports that it's already ported over to the PC gaming space. But guys, this year, they're saying they expect to make $300 million. That's a massive increase in revenue, presumably due to a lot of ports coming pretty much at once or over the back half of this year, Ghost of Tsushima and maybe Returnal and a few other PlayStation exclusives that have yet to be announced or confirmed for PC. But if you're going to sit there and say $300 million, you got to be dropping a lot at once over the course of this back half of the year. Now, I will say that Horizon Zero Dawn, so far, is the top-selling PlayStation-branded game on PC at almost 3 million copies sold. Next up was God of War with 971,000 copies, just shy of a million, and Days Gone right behind it with 852,000. So they're doing really well on PC, which is a good thing for them. It's another revenue source for PlayStation. And guys, they're going to need that extra revenue source because the other big piece that I got this past week from PlayStation was they are investing and new IP. And by the end of the 2025 financial year, 50% of Sony's investment into its PlayStation Studios will go towards the creation of brand new IPs. Guys, that's huge. Here's why. In 2019, there was a figure that said 77% of Sony's investment was in its current franchises, with only 23% into new ones. And guys, by the end of 2022, this year, this year's fiscal financial year, Sony will have invested 66% into existing IPs and 34% in new IP. And their goal, by the end of 2025, again, 50-50, even split. That is awesome. I am totally down for that because think about it. New IP, Days Gone, one of my favorite games of all time, brand new IP. Ghost of Tsushima, again, one of my favorite games of all time, brand new IP. Look, I'm right there with the next PlayStation fan wanting the next Last of Us or Uncharted or Ratchet and Clank. But if these brand new IPs like the two I just mentioned are what we can continue to expect, woo, bring them on, Sony. Oh. And finally, for this week's Catch of the Week, I'm going to close out by saying I <laughs> was thrown back on the ground when towards the end of the week, Sony announced a state of play showcase event for June 2nd. Just a few days away, guys. Nearly 30 minutes of announcements and updates, they said. But specifically here, the important piece from their third-party partners. So nothing first-party in, in the normal sense. So we're not going to see like a new Uncharted announced or God of War Ragnarok gameplay or anything like that. It's going to be focused around their third-party partners, which I'm still good with. Because, guys, I'm still holding out for that Silent Hill remake or brand new Silent Hill that has long been rumored to be a PlayStation exclusive. I also, I am dying to see some Final Fantasy 16 gameplay, which is a PlayStation 5 exclusive and happens to be a third-party partner in the form of Square Enix. So please give us some Final Fantasy 16 gameplay. A Silent Hill announcement will be awesome. Now, there's also promised reveals... At several sneak peeks of games in development for PlayStation VR 2. So I'm really excited to see that. I mean, when we talk about PSVR 2 and, and these sneak peeks, hopefully we actually see gameplay for the Horizon Call of the Mountain game. And again, guys, if they unveiled some kind of Uncharted VR game, whoo, uh, I just don't know how much more I can take of it. <laughs> and we're only into June just about at this point. 
But guys, that was the amazing week that, in my opinion, was the week of PlayStation. With all these amazing announcements, there's so much to look forward to if you're a PlayStation gamer right now. So that's this week's Catch of the Week. Now let's go open up my captain's log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, it's hard to believe, but it's been two weeks since I've updated you with what I've been up to in my gaming time. And that is because last week I was on vacation. So you hopefully checked out my second volume of my Controller Freak series, looking at the evolution of the PlayStation controller. Please check it out if you haven't. If you're a fan of PlayStation or if you're just obsessed like me with controllers, it's a love letter to both. So definitely check it out. I promise you'll dig it. Now, because I was on vacation, I was able to get a little bit, and I stress, a little bit of time back, finally, into The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. Now, gamers, again, I'll stress a little bit because I only played an hour, uh, cumulatively, (laughs) of Zelda during this time frame, but... To kind of pick you up where I last left you off many months ago, I was at the Pirate's Hideout Dungeon. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it was way back in February, so I understand. But I am at that point in the game. I am just probably roughly 60 hours or so into this amazing game. And the Pirate's Hideout Dungeon is out in the Lanairu Sea, which is not a water-based sea, but is in fact a sea of sand. So it's out in this desert area. And you're kind of tracking down, ultimately, this ship for one of the LDs, as I call them, the old robots that they only get reactivated if you use one of the time stones that are near them. And you're kind of going around, and it's really awesome because just to kind of pick you back up on speed, when you're using the time stone that's connected to your boat, it actually recreates the water that used to be there instead of the sand. And so you're able to sail around and see water only in the area, the cone of vision It's kind of a circular circumference, a nice little decent area to keep you moving on this boat. And I got into the Pirate's Hideout Dungeon because apparently they have taken this LD ship and have stowed it away somewhere. And it's very important that I get to this ship. Now, I will say this dungeon, honestly, again, I only played an hour, so this is, you know, makes sense. But it was pretty short and basic but it was still an enjoyable dungeon. And that's the beauty of Zelda, the beauty of this game specifically. Even though it was a short and basic dungeon, it was still a lot of fun. And for the first time so far, you know, I mentioned those time shift stones. Previously, it was a time shift crystal and they were stationary. They couldn't be moved and you had to either use a projectile or if you were close enough to them to swing your sword and hit them, that was the only way you could activate them. Well, in this dungeon, there was a time stone sphere that you could actually carry around with you. And you needed to do that in order to figure out how to progress from room to room and get past enemies and whatnot using the time shift sphere. And it was a lot of fun. I absolutely loved it. Now, once I got past this dungeon, you find out the general location of where the LD captain's ship is. So I go in that direction and there's a move that you can do in this game called dousing 
and you basically press up on the D-pad and it's almost like a compass. It, it points you in the direction of where you need to go to get to your objective. And that's pretty much what you do to get into the general area of where the ship is supposed to be. Guys, I show up and I'm sailing on my boat. I'm shooting my cannon at a couple of enemies along the way. And I get to where this dousing is showing me and telling me that this ship is supposed to be at. But there's no ship. I literally spent out of my one hour a quarter of it almost, looking for this ship, which is roughly 15 minutes that I'm sailing around in circles, trying to figure out the exact pinpointed location of where the ship is. Come to find out, guys, I had to shoot the cannon in the vicinity of where the dousing icon was telling me the ship was. And guess what? The ship was invisible. The ship was sailing around a certain pattern in this area, but it was invisible and it did not reappear fully until you shoot it three times with your cannon. So once you do that, it does basically park itself in the sand and allow Link to board the ship, which is the actual, real, full-on dungeon of the Lanairu Sea. And man, I can't wait to get back to it and get more into it and see what all the amazing puzzles and exploration and cool boss fight waits for me at the end. But that is literally where I left off, is right there as I boarded this ship. Man, it was only an hour played, but it was such an exceptional hour. Now, it wasn't just Skyward Sword that I played on the Switch this past two weeks. I did play some more Kirby and the Forgotten Land. And guys, I played maybe roughly 45 minutes of Kirby this past couple of weeks, and that, that only puts me at a grand total of an hour and 45 minutes into this game. But it's the first Kirby game that I've really kind of focused on and, and put some effort into playing, especially since probably the Super Nintendo era. And I really wanted to give it a good, fair chance. And I'm glad I did, because I really enjoy the game. I really do. So what I started out doing is I recognized that there were these hidden portals that were on the overall world map. And the way this game is set up is you have kind of a world map that you're able to traverse as Kirby and go from stage to stage. Or, in this case, these hidden portals, they lead to what are called in the game treasure roads. And essentially, they're like quick, very, very quick, time-based ways to get you a bunch of treasure and these specific items fast. And they're a lot of fun. It's essentially kind of like a puzzle in and of itself to figure out how do I do this, the objective, in as little time as possible. Because there is a first place clear time that if you're me, you're obsessed with, I'm not leaving this until I get first place. And so I did that with three different treasure roads that had unlocked for me on the world map. Cutter treasure, bomb treasure, and fire treasure. And they were all a lot of fun. And as you can imagine, Cutter, Bomb, and Fire are indicative of what you can expect to kind of be morphing Kirby into. As you know, if you know Kirby, whatever he sucks up is what he can kind of turn and morph into or take on the abilities of whatever it is that he's sucking up. So a lot of fun with those. But I did also do the next full main story stage in the game, which was called Rocky Rollin' Road. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was a giant boulder at the end of the stage that's very much chasing you like Indiana Jones in that way. And I just love the stages in this game because the way they're set up, they're on that forgotten land, the island. And everything is kind of like a post-apocalyptic, overgrown city kind of vibe to it. 
And it's just great the way the level design is set up. And I've thoroughly enjoyed this game. So if you haven't checked out Kirby in a while, or if you're just curious in general, I definitely recommend checking out Kirby and the Forgotten Land. But we can't talk about my playtime in Captain's Log without referring to this next game of where the bulk of my playtime, of course, was spent. And that game is Horizon Forbidden West. Gamers, this past two weeks, I played a total of 12 hours in the Forbidden West, which brings me up to 132 hours total, 64% game completion based on the notebook entry in-game. Now, when I last left you, I had just, I mean, just gotten to the jungle style area and I was a little frustrated. Well, I picked right up where I last left off with you guys and continued exploring that jungle. And let me just say I had a much better time in this play session over the last two weeks than I did when I initially got to the jungle. And this jungle is so amazing, guys. I just, I cannot... Not a second goes by walking through this environment that I'm not just in awe. Whether it's the skylighting of pinks or oranges or blues, depending on the time of day, the darks and the blacks and the moonlight shimmering off of the leaves or whatever the case, palm branches, the lushness of the jungles, rivers and streams and creeks and waterfalls, everything about it is just so amazingly beautiful. And I made my way through these jungles to a place called Falls Edge, which is kind of like a little tiny town that's literally right there at almost a Niagara Falls looking type area. It's this massive kind of semicircle crescent moon shaped basin that is this just giant waterfall area. And there's this tiny village placed right there on the edge. And it just looks gorgeous. And it's amazing. Uh, just a testament to the PS5 and the abilities of that console. Uh, well, while I was there at Falls Edge, I did continue to do a side quest that I picked up previously about helping the grandson of a character that I had met earlier in the game and exonerating him and proving his innocence. Of course, he was accused of being a traitor to the clan that was there at Falls Edge. And, you know, I'll let you find out how that pans out if you play that quest. But that was one side quest that I did there. And essentially, after you get past that initial jungle lushness with waterfalls you do continue in a very foliage filled area very lush still but in a different way you eventually it just i love the way this game's world just kind of bleeds into one environment after another and it's all cohesive but it's all so different there's these invisible barriers that transport you from one type of environment to the other you don't even realize it or feel it next thing you know you go from in this case lush jungles with streams and waterfalls into these swampy marshlands with fireflies dancing above the water and lily pads and ducks instead of you know, these other pigeons that were in the forest. And it's just so amazing. And that's the other thing I love about the environments in the game is the fauna. Every location that you go has some kind of different, unique fauna to that area. It's just so well done. In the process of my exploration, I found a new cauldron. And that was Kai. Cauldron Kai. And guys, it was awesome. I love the cauldrons in this game. I love them in Zero Dawn. 
And man, it was just a lot of fun exploring the cauldron and going through and sneaking and taking out certain machines that are there. And the story, each cauldron has its own respective story and makes it so unique to where it's not just, oh, well, we're in another underground cauldron. No, it's just so cool. And I loved going through Cauldron Kai. Now, after this, something very special happened to me. And I will save that next in my highlight of the week. Gamers, after the amazingness that I've already described in Horizon Forbidden West, there was something that just really took the cake for me this past week. And it was finally reaching the coastline. And man, is it gorgeous, gamers. Oh, I talked about the amazingness of just walking through the jungles and the waterfalls. It was even on a different level when I got to the coastline. Just the white sandy beaches, the beautiful, beautiful design that the developers have done and given to the waves and the way the physics of the waves roll in and the ocean looks. Like when you get out there to the open ocean in front of you, it's just something about it, guys. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful to watch in motion. It's so realistic looking. And then if you know me, if you listen to the show, I love swimming and being underwater in games and exploring underwater. And especially having the diving mass now in this game, it makes it so much more enjoyable. And man, just being out there in the ocean and swimming around and finding chests that are down at the bottom of the sea. Or in this case, I did a ton of hunting. I mean, there was just so many options here. And when I say hunting and fishing is really the combination of what I did because finally, all this time, I'm looking at different upgrades that my pouch needs certain like a moonfish skin or a striped bass. And I've looked in every stream and pond and river. I have not seen one of these things. And it's because they're on the coastline in the ocean. And man, it was awesome to swim around and grab up a bunch of them because I knew there was multiple upgrades in my pouches that required a lot of these different things, these different fish. So I'm sitting there, I'm doing some fishing. And when I say hunting, I say crabs, lobster, seagulls, pelicans. All of these are unique and new to this area of the coastline. And it was so amazing because yet again, Many pouch upgrades. They required all these different types of birds and different creatures, the sea creatures. And guys, it was just, it was so fun. I was sitting there, I was like, man, I'm, I can't believe I'm enjoying shooting and catching and uh, lobster and crab and seagulls and fish this much. But I am, this is insane. This is amazing. But I loved it, guys. It was just such a beautiful area. And it was so fun getting these it's it's that rapid drip feed is what I would say. I guess that it's kind of like is these new areas, these new environments, these new creatures and enemies or flora, fauna, all of it. Every time it's new, it's like a refresher. And in a game that is this size, it's almost necessary in a way, but it's so welcome. Guys, as I was coming back around the shore and I'm walking the shoreline and just exploring this amazing new area, I came across a brand new machine type. And it might just be my new current favorite. And as I came across it for the first time, it was it was poetic. I come around and I come out of the woods, the jungle. And on the shoreline, I see this kind of overhanging rock. It's not necessarily a bridge, but it's kind of looking like that. And it has underneath it is hanging this massive bat-looking creature. And sure enough, it is the newest machine that I have come across the Dreadwing. 
Well, I couldn't wait to get into combat with it and scan it because, man, I love to see the different style of attacks and what different moves and all kinds of different materials that I can get. Every time you see a new machine in this game, for me at least, it's very exciting. So absolutely loved the Dreadwing. I did take them on, took them out. Took me a little while because I was so focused on shooting off its fangs because I hear that later on in the game they're required for an upgrade and I wanted to try to go ahead and get out ahead of it, but I was lucky enough to get one of the two fangs, but either way, there's plenty of time left to get more. Now, I will say I did continue exploring the shoreline and I moved south to north along that eastern perimeter and I headed back out to some ocean op open ocean to explore some underwater ruins that was for a salvage contract quest that I had picked up earlier. And this was amazing too. I'm sitting there and I just love the time exploring the submerged buildings and swimming in between the seaweed to shadow myself and the many spiked snouts that were swimming around the area. And ultimately, just the whole coastline, everything involved with what I've explored most recently in this game has just been absolutely amazing and easily my highlight of the week. Now let's go check out some buried treasure gaming tips I have for you in Horizon Forbidden West. Gamers, this week I have two different minor tips for you and the Forbidden West as you make your way across the land. And the first one, I'll admit, it may be kind of a, a duncey move on my part to not recognize this for some reason until just now, well over 100 hours into the game. But for some reason, I was under the understanding that you could only tag one target at a time. Now, when you're in hard focus mode and you roll over an enemy and you stay there, you have two options. Typically, unless it's a stationary enemy, you have highlight track of the track that the enemy walks, as well as tag target. Well, for whatever reason, I felt like I was confirmed and that there was no way to target multiple or tag multiple enemies. I am absolutely wrong, guys. So if you, like me, have missed that somehow, or are brand new and fresh and starting out in the game, or haven't played it yet, FYI, you can, and as far as I could tell, tag an unlimited amount of enemies. I now, ever since I realized that, anytime I come to an outpost or a rebel camp, I'm sitting there and there could be 10 or more enemies between machines and human enemy types. So tag away, and if you're like me and you prioritize stealth over all-out combat it is a massive help when you're trying to navigate an area because many times in the past it had happened to me where I would try to be going stealthily through a, a rebel outpost and I did not see or realize there was an enemy right around the corner but had I used my hard focus to see them through buildings or shrubbery or whatever the case may be and tag them I would have known they were there. Now the other part to this buried treasure gaming tip this week bouncing bombs that is a weapon ability that you can unlock in your skills menu and i'm gonna tell you right now there's many things in this game over the course of the last few months that i've been playing it that i've told you don't sleep on this well this is yet another thing that i'm going to tell you don't sleep on the bouncing bombs weapon ability it came in very handy because you think about it and the franticness of combat sometimes you can't always get a direct shot or sometimes you may not be able to hold the blast sling as long as you want to to get the full power shot going. Well, if you pull it back as hard as you can, and then you aim the trajectory of the bounce, it'll bounce towards the enemy and still hit them. And the cool thing about it is for each successive bounce in a row that you get, it causes that much more damage to the enemy. 
So do not sleep on the Bouncing Bombs weapon ability. Now let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, with all these amazing announcements this past week coming from Sony, it got me wondering, where is Microsoft? Where is Xbox? Where are all the amazing announcements that I want to see from Xbox? So before I get too deep into the content of this thought and this week's decree, let me say, here's the question. Who is the leader so far this console generation? So this is purely my opinion here and my analysis and outlook on things where we've seen them happen so far in this generation, which started on November 10th of 2020. So we are roughly a year and a half into the console generation. But guys, let's think about this. This past week, we had so many amazing announcements coming from the PlayStation camp and so many amazing things that we have to look forward to in the future, it seems. I feel like PlayStation is just kind of rolling with this sense of confidence and they just are not affected or deterred or bothered by anything that anybody else is doing. And they're doing a great job. They're still releasing exclusive console generation games. And that's a big key for me. I look back and sure, Microsoft, they released Halo last December, Forza last November, but what has happened so far this year? We are just about done with five months of 2022. And in five months, we've had zero first party Microsoft Xbox games release. We also had Stalker that was supposed to be a massive exclusive to Xbox release in April, pushed back to December of this year. We had the biggest release for Xbox in years. I would argue even more so than Halo Infinite last year. And that title being Starfield, we had that delayed to sometime in the first half of 2023. In addition to Redfall being delayed, another huge new IP exclusive to Xbox. And guys, the other thing that worries me, we haven't seen anything from Microsoft since December when Halo launched. Leading up to that, we saw all the cool stuff, a launch 20th anniversary and all these different things. Man, I was right there. But then we just hear nothing. The only what I would consider positive piece of news coming from Xbox in the calendar year of 2022, the only two things they've really mentioned. They released a brand new color for a controller, which me being the controller freak, obviously that would stand out to me, the deep pink controller. But other than that, it was confirmed that, yeah, you know, Microsoft is, uh, you know, they're working on a basically a, a USB flash drive, a USB stick that'll plug into the USB port of a TV and eliminate the need for a, a box for as far as console gaming and go strictly streaming. Okay, well, that's great. Technology, looking to the future, I'm all about it. But at the same time, you have to still be supporting and providing the games. Because we as gamers, we show up for the games. And we haven't seen them. Where is gameplay for Avowed? Where is gameplay for Fable? We know that Perfect Dark is going through development hell. But where is Hellblade Sinewood Saga. <laughs> it was debuted years ago. We finally, two years after its debut, got a quick snippet of gameplay at last year's Game Awards. But where is the game? Where is more substantial gameplay, hands-on gameplay? Where are you, Xbox? <laughs> is my question. And if I sound frustrated, it's because I am. 
because for years, for years, even through the worst of them during the Xbox One era, I championed Xbox as my brand. And in the last couple of years, there's been some decisions made and some promises seemingly unkept. And guys, uh, the PlayStation brand is just blossomed in my gamer's heart, if you will. And at this point in the console generation, I would say between the DualSense on the PS5, the release schedule of the games that have come for PS5 between the Demon Soul remake, Miles Morales Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Horizon Forbidden West, Deathloop, Returnal, God of War Ragnarok presumably this year, Forspoken as of right now October of this year, not to mention the upgrade and the evolution of the trophy system when all we got so far in the last god knows how many years for the achievement system is a comma on your gamer score. Where are you at, Microsoft? Xbox, where are you? That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com. Search for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch networks. Or find me on social media at Lost at Sea Gaming on Instagram, as well as on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing. <laughs>